0: no one can ever take away the memories of you know playing at the cliff or playing at rochdale playing at oldham ultimately it's what recovering from a stroke is like and she just said he's been given 24 hours to live Uh, i don't i don't know what to do
1: welcome back to the sr times podcast today i'm joined with a brilliant gentleman i'm joined by nick clark of stroke information nick how
0: are you what when's he coming? That, that when he said, brilliant, <laughs> brilliant gentleman. I'm I'm not a brilliant gentleman, um. But yeah, I'm good. Thank you, Andrew. You, yeah?
1: I'm very good, man. Very good. Just just rushed back to do the recording because the office was uh was far too noisy. But uh, we're here now and uh getting into it. So yeah. Nick, uh, start off if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, how he came how he came to be in the position you are today.
0: Um. Well, it's a boring story really. Um, I'm an ex-footballer, believe it or not. I've even played at Old Trafford in front of 73,500. Not people, just seats. That should get people laughing. Um, But no, in September 2012, my life changed forever. Um, I had a severe hemorrhagic stroke. Um, I was age 42 at the time and um, yeah, I mean, it's, you go through all the stages of, of stroke, your, your initial um, reaction is, why me? Why did it happen to me? Um, then it's like the grievance side of things, so you um, you grieving, should I say, uh, and you, you sort of look at the things that you're not able to do anymore. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to do was, I wanted to give back, I wanted to help people that find themselves where I was um so that's why stroke information was born a former colleague um contacted me and said I've put you some web space aside blah 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 I was like I haven't got a clue what to do and he said oh you'll be fine and and he he showed me the basics and effectively stroke information the website was built and um it went on from there and then I, I uh I got some sort of um exposure and I found the need to actually make it something a little bit better and we became a registered charity in 2016 and what can I say I love it I absolutely adore what I do Um, obviously it doesn't pay well but um, my payback is the hope that I give to families and you know, stroke survivors and their families, Um, because, you know, as you're probably aware with with your sort of history and your background, once you have a stroke, um, society, unfortunately, tends to write that person off. Um, And I'm I'm sort of saying, no, hang on a minute, that person's still the same person. They have to do things a little bit differently. So, you know, everyone deserves that chance. And, yeah... Again, shock people when I say this, but I wouldn't change a thing.
1: So we'll go back, Nick, we'll go back to, to before the stroke happened. So what was, what was life like before, before your stroke?
0: Uh, I lived to work. Basically, that was it. Work, 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 work. I had mortgage to pay, bills to pay, two young children to bring up. Um, and really, really went into a stressful job. I was travelling 140 miles a day, um, getting up at 20 o'clock with the sparrows and doing a full day's work and then travelling home when it was dark, spending little time with the kids and ultimately I paid the price in in respect to, you know, my bleed happened and um, we believe the stroke was caused by stress, which is... A massive massive trigger that gets undetected as such um so yeah it was a a, it's a stressful time um but as i said before i wouldn't change a thing uh i don't i'm not a member of the stress club anymore um and I, i would wholeheartedly recommend that if someone is feeling stressed please 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 find a medium to sort of release any sort of anxiety or or um or you know that type of thing because you can you can live without it definitely. So Nick, the
1: last time we spoke we had a we had a good chat about the about the football. And I know you've got a lot yeah. of love for, uh, for Stockport for County. What what was it like being able to play for them?
0: Um was it, just surreal, really. I mean I I'm still associated with the club now. Um I'm believe it or not, I'm the disability liaison officer. Um and effectively, although I'm not, as one would see from looking at me, you wouldn't think I'm disabled. Um, but, you know, as we all know, that disabilities come in all different sort of guises. Um, I, I just love, love being part of the club um, and effectively being a bit of a voice for disabled fans as well, so that, you know, I, I can I can really see... Uh, the improvements with the the new owner, Mark Stott, um, what he's done for, for the club and the community. And yeah, I just long may it continue. I just I just love it. But going back to playing for them and, and wearing that shirt, it is it is true when you hear the big time footballers now talking about, you know, when you pull on that shirt, there's a, that pr- immense pride that you're representing whoever you're playing for. Um and again, I wouldn't change a thing and no no one can ever take away the memories of you know playing at the, the cliff or playing at Rochdale playing at Oldham, playing at city's training ground but you know it's i mean i I, like I say I played at Old Trafford, and that was absolutely unbelievable um I actually didn't enjoy it as much as playing um when we played at Morecambe. Because the pitch was fantastic at Morecambe because of, of, of obviously being close to the beach. Um, Old Trafford was a bit bit mixed of grass and um, synthetic, synthetic like 4G. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, no one can take those memories away, and yeah, love it, love the experience.
1: Yeah, the problem with Old Trafford is as well you've got to trek out of Manchester to get there as well. I mean. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, although although Stratford is sometimes part of Manchester and sometimes it isn't, so each to their own.
1: So next stroke information. So after your stroke, you've you've set up the the charity. What was yeah. the main the main thing that made you you think that you know this is something I need to do?
0: Um. Well, I started volunteering first on the stroke ward at the local hospital. And I absolutely loved it. Um, Just seeing people (laughs) where I was, you know, six months prior and trying to give them that encouragement and support to say, yeah, it's bad at the moment, but you will get there. And and the thing to message that I would get across to any stroke survivor is, you know, they may not be able to do something, but there's this important three-letter word that goes at the end of that, and that's yet. If you work hard at it, and you've got the right determination and, and encouragement and support around you, you'll find a way. You know, A as, as stroke survivor, as stroke survivors, in general, do find a way. If they want to do something, they'll do it.
1: I know you um, told us the story you told us last time about the guy that had kind of been written off, saying that he was he was mute, couldn't, couldn't talk in the game of Hangman. I mean, that's an amazing story. I don't know if you want to tell it again now for the, for the podcast. I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, I don't get bored of telling the story, but it, it, it was just, uh, you know, even the medical professionals sometimes get it wrong. Um, and, you know, as, as much as the pressure and the strain that the NHS is under, um, this was my case in point, really. Um, we're a simple game of Hangman in the day room. With a whiteboard and you know a marker pen, and literally just dashes, and we literally took it in turns with all the patients to think of a letter. Um, the subject was food, and we got round to this particular guy, and because of confidentiality, um, I'll call him David. I think his name, his real name was, but well, we'll call him David, uh, just for 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 that purpose. And um, we got round to David, and um. I just come on, David. You can do this. And he just laughed. You know, not not a heartfelt laugh. But it was more of a giggle, like a snigger. And um, the occupational therapist at the time said, "Oh, don't worry about David." So I said, "What do you mean?" He said, so, "Well, David's in his late sixties, early seventies, and he's had a stroke, and you know, he's struggling with things at the moment. He, he's not going to talk again." And I got a little bit upset in the respect that this sort of, it's common. People, you know, people understand the word plateau and and promote the word plateau that once they've gone past six months, they won't improve. And yeah. Anyway, so wanting to stick the proverbial two fingers up at the OT, I, um, I started playing devil's advocate and I started saying, come on David, you can do this. And David would just giggle and I I pressed on my forehead and I have to do this now so you can see me. But I was pressing that hard. I said, Come on, David, you can do it. As always, like sending him a telepathic message. I was pressing that hard. I nearly had a toilet accident myself. Um, but out of nowhere, David just looked at the board and he went. The subject was food and there's certain letters pil- filled in. And he looked at it and he just went one hot pot, and that was it. I was like, what? <laughs> so, it, I, 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 honestly, I was nearly in fear um, because it was just so emotional that effectively, through Unbeknown to me, I'd given David that chance to sort of express how he was feeling or, or even just to sort of also say and represent that I'd been where he he was and it was just it was just magical, absolutely magical. And um, since starting uh, the charity, I've found it uh, a lot. It's common that people um, say that, that the patient has reached a plateau. Um, uh, we've just had another incident where, in August of last year, um, this chap who was in the Midlands was basically given 24 hours to live. And we have a facility where we have a WhatsApp group and we allow people just to, pardon the pun, brainstorm, share advice, you know, tips, that kind of thing. And he, his wife was also a member of the group and still is. Um, and she just said, he's been given 24 hours to live. I, I don't I don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, come and join our group and, you know, we'll we'll try and help you. And um she sent me some photos and it was like, really, really distressing, but you've sort of given us that sort of um hope and, and um support and obviously we've stayed in touch. Um or of August this year, she sent me another picture of him having a meal in a local restaurant at the pub. And I'm like, look, you know, I I I can't claim that I've done anything but I've informed you that with a little bit of hope and encouragement support blah 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 you can get there and you know for someone that was given 24 hours to live less than 12 months ago to me it's like wow this is this is amazing um and you know I've got current cases the same similar sort of thing where people of a certain age um are written off because of their stroke it's not right. No one's, no one's got that. No one should have that human right to sort of rule out anybody's opportunities uh, and uh, achievements. So, no, I plateau, don't believe
1: in it. So you just do a lot of work, Nick. So why don't you tell us a bit about the, the team behind Stroke Information, what the work they're doing?
0: Well, one of the things that I, I wanted to do, it touches on slightly the fact that effectively, people are written off after a stroke, um, myself included. Um, But one one of the things I thought was, like, where I've spoken to other people that had strokes who'd applied for positions within our national charity. And um, I, I know of a couple of cases where they've turned around for whatever reason and said that they weren't qualified enough. And I'm like, not qualified enough? You've been through it. How can you not be qualified enough? Anyway, you know, I, I I don't I don't not like the Stroke Association. They're very very good at what they do. Um, but I found there was a gap in the market in the respect of if I can give that stroke survivor some bit of hope and encouragement, then why not get them back into work? And um, we we actually employ um, one stroke survivor at the moment. He's um, someone I met on on Twitter. Um, about six years ago now, he was having problems with his, his floor in his house with his local authority. And um, moving a bit like a pit bull, um, got hold of the, the housing association and and races, basically got involved. And um, he informed me of the issue on the Friday, and his floor for his living room was fixed on the Tuesday. And he'd spent six months trying to get it sorted and he was losing his losing his rag, losing his pool about it and we, we obviously through social media and everything else with emails etc we stayed in touch Um, in December of last year I turned around to him and said look if the opportunity ever came up would you come and work for Stroke Information and he, just, he said what? and I said well <laughs> you've been through it, you can ex- you know, explain what the pitfalls are and uh, you know educate people and support people that are going through it in, in his neck of the woods. And he just turned around to me and he said, I'd jump at that chance, Nick. He said, if you give me an opportunity like that, I would jump at it. So on, on January, I think the 4th of January, 2022, he started for Stroke Information. And I mean, yeah, money does help and it allows to pay his salary and what have you. But do you know what? If we get more money, which we've been promised another, we we actually got promised a 15 grand by this this chap who'd done his research down where he lived. Um, but it is, it's not materialised as yet. Um, but we were promised it in February. And I'm still hopeful it'll come. And I said to the chap, if it does arrive, what I'm going to do is then offer another role to someone else that's had a stroke, in another part of the country and build, build the momentum there because no one, no one can beat experience. I mean, all right, man's only 10 years experience and a lot of things have changed in the, in the world, in the medical world. And we've had the influence of COVID and blah, blah, blah. And I'm led to believe that long COVID would has led to more strokes. So, um, apparently there's a study going on in the States at the moment and, uh, yeah, it's just making making someone feel worthy, part of something again. And all right, if they're at a certain age where they can't work or don't want to work, um, it is that very much that situation where make them feel part something, make them feel good about themselves, make them feel worthy. And do you know what? It's so magical. I mean, what we pay um, the employee at the moment. Careful, not to name names. Um. It's not a great deal of money, but it doesn't affect his benefits that he gets. And, you know, for the the up to 15 hours a week that he works, it gives him a sense of, I'm actually doing something. I'm actually feeling, I'm I'm proving my worth. And again, like I said before, it's just magical. That is magical. So, please, you know, if anybody uh, would like to support us, please donate to stroke information because... That's what we do with the funds. I mean, we 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 do um, work on all the benefit entitlements, blue badges, the usual stuff, uh, and a lot of sort of mandatory reconsiderations with um, the DWP and things like that. But ultimately, I want to get stroke survivors back into work or back into feeling something that they're part of.
1: So we'll talk about Steady Eddie, your mascot. Well, yeah. Just- Tortoise, I always get me tortoises and uh, turtles mixed, tortoise. mixed up. The <laughs> so easiest <what>, <laughs> Sorry. Why don't you tell us a bit about the inspiration behind behind Eddie? How, uh, oh,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, basically, we used to do drop ins at a local gym, and um, the staff there were brilliant and really looked after us. This one guy who was a um swimming pool life attendant was called Edsel. Perhaps I shouldn't have said that out loud, I don't know. But he was called Edsel. So he was Peruvian, I think. Um, but he would he would come to us on the on the morning uh of the Friday and say, Hi hey guys, can I get you a drink? And like this is at like half nine, quarter to ten. Like, yeah, please we'll have tea, uh, no sugar, milk, blah, blah, blah. And then he'd go, and then he'd be like, 40 minutes. He'd come back and say, did you want sugar in that? It's like, no, we're all right, we do not want much sugar. And then he'd go again, and then it'd be another 40 minutes. And he'd come back and say, the kettle's just boiled me a minute, and then it would be another half an hour, and it's like, oh, my word. How long is, is it taking to make a brew? Um, And because of that, I was then thinking that we were – sort of needed to engage with children because children need to know about the impact of stroke and you know the mum's not or the dad's not going to be like that all the time Um and I thought well what we need there really to engage the, the kids is a mascot and I went up to the the receptionist at the gym and I said look I said, we need we need a mascot I said, because we want to engage kids and get them involved I said, "I want something like cute and lovable and cuddly." And she went, "I know. What about a frog?" I was, "What? A frog?" And I said, "Our colours are like green and black, and and a frog—not really friendly, is it?" Um, And then I thought, "Green animals? What green animals? What? A tortoise." And then it just clicked: Aesop's Fable, the tortoise and the hare. It's all about you taking your time, you'll get there in the end. And effectively, that's what a tortoise does, isn't it? Yeah? So, ultimately, it's what recovering from a stroke is like. You work hard at it, you take your time, set yourself goals, and you get there in the end. So, Steady Eddie was born. Um, Yeah, well, again, he's just a lovable character. We've actually got a... A life costume that is available that people can hire um, if they want to scare the kids.
1: So yeah. yeah. So Nick, we're coming to coming to the end of this episode, but before we do, I want to talk uh, about obviously it's World Stroke Day tomorrow, and yep. yourselves, you've got something quite special planned. Uh, you've got a fundraising event going on with even an appearance from a certain Marvel superhero in attendance. So can you tell us yeah, tell us about it? it.
0: There's news on that as well. There's actually two superheroes attending now. Um, Tomorrow uh, from 11 o'clock in the morning, we are, although I won't be doing it, abseiling down a Fred Perry house, which is an iconic building in Stockport. It's about five storeys high. Um, We've got the Lord Mayor of Stockport and the Mayoress attending. We've got a little bit of a press release on the BBC in the morning, which... only just found out about um and then we will have um spider-man and wonder woman i down at uh between one and two um so it's another thing to get the kids involved and let them see i mean it really will be something else seeing spider-man coming down the building so um yeah it should be good Uh, we do have a, a just giving link which is literally um, World Stroke Day, if you just find out look for it. We are actually asking people to sponsor people to, to ab sale. Um, it's fifty pounds per ab sale, but you should be able to get through that through through donations. Um, and therefore, personally people won't be out of pocket themselves that are doing it. Um, but because it is World Stroke Day and because it's so big, I've actually opened it up to other local charities uh, as well at half that price. So it's 25 quid uh, and they can promote their own charity that, you know, whether it's, it's stroke related or, or not. Um, and that that's happening over Saturday and Sunday. So yeah, <clears throat> watch out and hopefully uh, nobody will cut the rope or something, wherever it is.
1: Well, Nick, thank you very much for your time this afternoon. And I hope the fundraising event all goes to plan. No one, uh, has any ropes cut and falls off buildings. Um, but I suppose there'll be more than good enough safety measures in, in in place to make sure that doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, and, and, and we've got Stockport County getting involved as well. They're doing some things on social media and um, they're going to promote it. And and, and ironically, <clears throat> Stockport County are actually at home tomorrow afternoon playing Sutton United in, in League Two. So hopefully we should get a bit of a bit of interest. Um, and that, that really is what it's all about. It's not about the money. It's about the awareness. I mean, when you look at how many strokes happen each year globally, you know, 17 million global strokes happen in, in the world. It's just horrendous. Um, unfortunately, we're not in Singapore at the moment. Uh, we didn't get invited, where the World Stroke Organization is. But um, it is it is all about awareness. That's what counts.
1: That's a brilliant message to finish on, I think, there, Nick. So hopefully, oh. we can we can catch up after after the fundraiser, hear all about it in a, in another episode, and I'll I'll look forward to it.
0: Yeah, you know, we're meant to be having lots of photographs being taken, and we've even got a drone coming, so um, he's going to be taking like a bird's eye view. So yeah, it should be uh, awesome uh, as a result. So thanks for um, highlighting it, thanks for promoting it, and. If, if anybody is listening to this that has been impacted by a stroke and needs a little different angle, get in touch, please.
1: Brilliant. Thank you very much, Nick. All right, mate. Cheers.